Yes, great. As Steve said, my name's Dan. I'm one of the leaders here, and it's a great uh, privilege to be speaking to you this morning. Thank you so much. Uh, if you're visiting, if you're new, uh, thank you for coming. Uh, do stay around at the end. We'd love to get to know you more. Uh, if you were with us last week, hands up if you were here last week. You don't take a register, so don't worry. Um, you know, we're looking at the story about a man named Jonah. Um, Jonah was one of uh, God's uh, prophets, and he'd been asked by God to go on a mission uh, to the city of Nineveh. Uh, this was not a place Jonah was keen to go, as it was a place of great evil. Um, Jonah disobeys God, and he heads off in a boat in the opposite direction. Um, Alison uh, shared with us this story of how God brought a storm um, to stop Jonah. Um, it resulted in uh, Jonah being swallowed by a great fish, um, and that was chapter 1. And today we're going to look at chapter 2, and we're going to read the whole chapter. Don't worry, it's only 10 verses. Um, and just remember, at this point, Jonah is in the belly of a fish. He's been there for uh, three days and three nights, and then this happens. This is uh, Jonah chapter 2, starting at verse 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed, to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hailed me into the depths, into the very heart of the sea, and the current swelled around about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish. And it vomited Jonah onto dry land. If you know me, you know that um, I like to be busy. And I'm not great at knowing when to stop and rest. And often when I, I rest from normal activities, uh, such as work, then I manage to fill it with other things to keep myself busy. I don't know if you're the same. And I know it's a common problem. And one of the issues with uh, busyness is it, it deprives us for, um, from the opportunity to rest and reflect. When we're busy, we don't have time to stop and think, to reflect. When I'm forced to be still, whether it's through illness, whether it's through travel or other means, I find myself able to reflect. And often in those moments, I am I'm quiet enough for long enough to be able to hear God speak. Um, I remember uh, attending a church evening meeting at uh, New Life Church on Bridlington Avenue. It's now Revive Church. And, and my life was hectic at that point. And, um, and in that meeting, I experienced God's presence. His Holy Spirit came upon me powerfully, and I remember uh, lying on the floor, unable to move. And in that moment, God was speaking to me like never before. Um, at one point, I, I tried to get up, and, um, but my legs were having none of it, and just kept me on the floor. And it was like God was pinning me to the floor until he had finished ministering to my heart. 
Um, I don't know how long I was on the floor, but um, when I finally got up off the floor, the only person left in the building was the one waiting to lock up. And, um, and it was a little bit embarrassing, but I left that building that night changed. And, and here we see Jonah has been so busy running from God, and God has to act in power to stop Jonah. He, he does it through a fish, and Jonah finds himself in a fish for 72 hours with nothing to do but reflect on God and what he has done. And I want to share, you, share with you today three things that I believe Jonah realizes whilst he's reflecting in the belly of the fish. Uh, and they are the, the, the seriousness of the situation, the state of the relationship, and thirdly, the source of his salvation. Firstly, the seriousness of the situation. I'm sure most of you in this room have been in a serious situation before. Um, a situation that you look back on and hope that you never have to face that again. Maybe it was an illness. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe a financial crisis. Maybe a relationship breakdown. For Jonah, his serious situation was one of certain death. He's been thrown overboard into the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, in the middle of a storm. You don't survive that. Um, and Jonah's life is almost certainly coming to an end. And Jonah realizes this. In his prayer, he says, from the realm of the dead, I called for help. He says, my life was ebbing away. Jonah was in the belly of a fish. And he, he realizes what a desperate situation he was in. He was as good as dead with no hope. And the theme of, of death is mentioned a lot in the Bible, and most importantly, it tells us that we were dead with no hope. You see, Jonah was heading for death because, due to disobeying God, and the same is true for us. The Bible starts with the creation story in Genesis. It tells us that God makes man and woman in his image. It tells us that the first humans, Adam and Eve, they are in perfect relationship with God. They are enjoying being close to God. They are spending time with God. They are, and they have a future with him. They are created in this perfect relationship. But rather than enjoying this relationship, they choose to disobey God and take control. And from that moment, sin, a word that the Bible uses to describe our rebellion, enters the world. And ever since then, the perfect relationship with God has been ruined. It wasn't God who decided to break the relationship with Adam and Eve. And ever since that point, every one of us has chosen to disobey God and live for ourselves. Not one of us are perfect. But because God is perfect and he is just, there must be consequences for our rebellion, our sin. And Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. Romans 8 verse 10 says that our, bo our bodies are subject to death because of our sin. The situation we are in is desperate because we are heading towards death with no hope. But for Jonah, hope arrives. Hope came in the form of a fish, and God provides Jonah with a solution. The rescue plan is here. The, the fish swallows Jonah, not to eat him, but to preserve him. Jonah realizes this, and he speaks these words of gratitude. He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And he answered me. From the, the deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. God saves Jonah and he did the same for us. Sending Jesus Christ to this earth, he lived as a man and he did what we could never do and live a sinless life. 
And that meant that Jesus could sacrifice himself on the cross for our sin, for our rebellion. We were heading for death to be eternally separated from God, but now we experience relationship with God. And even though our earthly bodies die, we live on for eternity. That's an incredible rescue, isn't it? And I love the fact that that Jonah, he is thanking God, not from dry ground, but he is thanking God while still in the belly of the fish. I don't know why God sent a fish rather than a boat to save him. Have you ever thought that? It might be easy to send a boat. I don't know, but Jonah doesn't seem to care. He doesn't moan about being in this smelly fish because he realizes how much God has done for him. Jonah doesn't even reference the fact that he's in a fish. Read chapter 2 when you get home. He doesn't mention the fish at all. Because he is amazed by how far God has gone to rescue him. Do you live in the truth? If you are a follower of Jesus, you are alive in Christ. So often we, we forget about our previous situation. Because if we forget we were heading to death, then we, never, we will never be grateful that we are alive. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Pretty desperate situation. But then it carries on in verse 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, which, we, uh, which, sorry, which he loved us, even when we were dead to our trespasses, made us alive in Christ. That's where we are. Does that, does that fact that you're alive in Christ stare your heart a little? And I find Jonah's gratitude quite a challenge. If I'm being honest, I know that God has rescued me. And in the moment, sometimes I reflect on it and I'm thankful. But often I can forget that I am alive in Christ because I don't like the situation I'm left in. Sometimes life can feel like we're in a storm. Sometimes life can feel like we're in the belly of the fish. When we forget about what God has done, when we forget that we are alive in Christ, then we focus on the situation. We might start to question God's goodness. We might start to grumble against his provision. Like the Israelites who they see God miraculously save them from the Egyptians. They see them lead him out of slavery. They see them part the Red Sea in front of their eyes. They see God provide a pillar of light to lead them. And then as soon as they get hungry, they question God's goodness and faithfulness. We want sometimes God to fix the situation. But what if God today wants to be with you in the problem? For Jonah, he stops running and he meets with God. And in a fish, he finds his rescue. What if the trials that you are going through now are the very place you are to encounter God? What if you spent more time in God's presence than complaining about the situation? Maybe maybe we will find then it's better to have God in a crisis than not to have God but have a resolution to the crisis. So after Jonah reflects on his seriousness of his situation, he then reflects on the state of his relationship. And in verse 4, he says, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. As Alison shared last week, um, Jonah was one of God's prophets. 
Now, a prophet is someone chosen by God to communicate a message from God to the people. Jonah was in this privileged situation where he heard the voice of God and God revealed something of his heart to Jonah. Jonah has this level of intimacy with God, but he realizes that in this moment he has been banished from God's sight. The relationship Jonah did have with God has been ruined because he chose to disobey God. Just as I spoke about with Adam and Eve, they had this perfect relationship with God, but ruined it because they chose to disobey. The same is true for Jonah, the same is true for us. And for Jonah, although he has been banished from God's sight, it's important to say that it was Jonah who initiated it. It was Jonah that walked away. Just as Adam and Eve, they first sinned, and the first thing they did was they hid from God. As followers of Jesus, we have access to God. But so often, the first thing we do when we make a mistake is we run away from him. How often have you felt like you couldn't pray, you couldn't read your Bible, you couldn't come to church because you felt guilty because of your behavior? I know I have. Like a child who wants to avoid the parent because they know they're in trouble. When we forget our identity as children of God, then we run away and hide. But if we live in the good of our identity as children of God, then we know that we can always approach God. We know that Jesus' death on the cross paid the price once and for all. We don't have to hide, but instead we need to come back into God's presence, find the forgiveness, the grace, the love of our Heavenly Father. And Jonah realizes that his behavior has cost him intimacy. But God doesn't punish him, but saves him. And Jonah realizes that due to that saving power that God demonstrates, he can experience intimacy again. I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy place. Yet I will look again. Jonah goes from the despair to the truth that because God rescues him, he has access again to the relationship. Before we chose to follow Jesus, before we make that decision, we don't have a relationship with God. Ephesians 4.18 says they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. Before we were believers, we had a hardness of heart. But that heart was replaced when we chose to follow Jesus. Ezekiel 36.26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. When we chose to follow Jesus, this hardened heart was replaced and we have intimacy with God. But just because we have that intimacy once doesn't mean we always do. Jonah knew God, but he lost the intimacy because he left God's presence in an act of disobedience. But do you notice that it is then God and not Jonah who initiates the return of intimacy? Jonah chooses to walk away, but God chooses to draw near to Jonah. God is the one who causes the storm. God is the one who provides the fish. And then it is God who draws near to Jonah. And then Jonah, out of all that God has done, responds by surrendering his, to God's plan. God desires a relationship with us. But so often we can leave the intimacy we have. Sometimes it is because we rebel and we don't want to be close to him. We can question his goodness or we can doubt his promises. Other times we get busy with life and we forget about the place that we need to be is with our Father. So often when my life gets busy or gets tough, I rely on myself. 
If I can just do a little more, if I could just work a little harder, then I can get myself out of this situation. We try and fix ourselves and win the battles that we're in. But Jonah realizes that he couldn't fix it, he couldn't conquer it, he couldn't beat it, but in the belly of a fish, he could experience God's presence and get through it. And when I realize I don't need to try harder, but I need God more, then I find new strength. Isaiah 4, 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. In the belly of a fish, Jonah finds intimacy. In our struggles, God is not distant, but he wants to draw near. And as we draw near to him, we draw to the one who understands every battle that we are in, every tough moment we go through. One who, as Hebrews 4 describes, is tempted, was tempted in every way, just as we are, but yet was without sin. As we draw near, we hear the invitation Jesus gives us in Matthew 11. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Let us find intimacy. Let us find all we could ever need in our Savior, Jesus. And then finally, Jonah reflects on the source of his salvation. Jonah has been running from God, but he realizes the place he needs to be is with God. He then says this, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Here, Jonah recognizes that people turn away from God for a whole number of other, uh, other reasons and turn to a whole number of other things. He uses this word idol. An idol is anything that we put in place of Jesus in our life. Jonah recognizes that there are two people. There are those who worship the creator and there are those who worship the created. Jonah has been worshiping things other than God. The story tells us, we get from the story that there are two main areas, two main idols that Jonah worships. Firstly, he is the idol of race. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh because he doesn't think that people who are not like him deserve to experience God's grace. He, he thinks, actually, they're not like me, so therefore, should they experience, my love and should they experience God's love and grace? Second, and we're going to see more of that in chapter 4. And secondly, he worships comfort. He doesn't want to go somewhere that is going to be hard work. But the truth is, those idols could be anything. And it's not always easy to spot an idol because so often they are a good thing in a bad place. Taking a good thing and then making it an ultimate thing by putting it in God's place. A relationship, for example, can be a good thing. There is nothing wrong with having a partner or God providing you with a partner. But easily it can become an ultimate thing when we spend more time seeking out a relationship than we do seeking God. When you spend all your time dreaming about how you will find love and how that love will solve all your problems. My own security can be a good thing. There's nothing wrong with saving money, nothing wrong with being wise about how you look after yourself and those you care for. But it can easily become an ultimate thing when we start to store up what we have 
just in case. When we stop being generous or we spend our time worrying about how we're going to survive rather than relying on God. A new car, a games console, a pair of shoes, a sport, they can all be good things that God allows us to enjoy. But it can easily become an ultimate thing when we dedicate all our time, all our energy, all our love, all our enthusiasm towards an item rather than towards God. To something that is created rather than the creator. Your job, your future. The list goes on. It is whatever, an idol is whatever you put in front of God. I've used this quote many times, but I think it's great. This is a guy, an American pastor called Louis Giglio, and he says this. How do you know where and what you worship? It's easy. You simply follow the trail of your time, your affection, your energy, your money, your allegiance. And at the end of a trail, you'll find a throne. And whatever or whomever is on that throne is, what, is what's of highest value to you. On that throne is what you worship. We all worship something or someone. And in that moment, Jonah chooses God. He chooses God not after God has delivered him, but while he is still in the belly of a fish, but now with the faith that God will deliver him. The circumstances haven't changed. Jonah is still in a fish, but Jonah has changed. He is not perfect. We've got two more weeks in Jonah, and we're going to find out he's far from perfect. But in that moment, he realizes who God is. If we learn to enjoy intimacy with God, just as Jonah did, then we won't have time for other idols. In that fish, it's all stripped away, and Jonah realizes what he needs is God. All the other distractions are taken away. All the other temptations are taken away, and he realizes God is all he needs. If we learn to enjoy that intimacy with God, then we don't have time to turn our eyes to other things, to put other things on their throne in front of God. Because if idolatry is a problem, then worship is the solution. Don't spend your time hunting for idols in your life. Spend your time with Jesus. Someone once told me that if, um, if I wanted to see what I worship, then I just need to check my bank account. Have you ever heard that before? You want to check what you worship, just check your bank account. Yes, part of that, part of our worship is how we spend our money, but only part. And I went through a phase of fixating on what I spent, making sure I didn't worship Costa coffee too much, Hull City, new clothes, holidays. Or when I did do those things, I would at least spread them out. So when I checked my bank account, they weren't all in a line. <laughs> You've done it. <laughs> but I missed the point because the point was I was spending my time running around avoiding idols rather than spending my time running to Jesus when I spend time with Jesus I don't have to check myself for idols because I'm experiencing Jesus and no idols satisfy compared to him I can enjoy a costa but it's not Jesus I can enjoy a new I can have a new pair of jeans it's not Jesus I can go on holiday, but it doesn't compare to spending time with Jesus. They are things that I don't live for because I live for Jesus. And as I spend time with Jesus, I become more like him. As that happens, I find myself spending time doing things that will honor him. I find I will use my energy doing things that will bring him glory. I find myself spending and giving money that is used to further his kingdom. 
When I spend time with Jesus, I find there is no other hope than the hope that is found in my Savior who died on a cross and is alive today and he's seated on a throne. Do you believe that's where he is today? Jonah realized how broken and how hopeless he was, how far God had come for him and the price he paid to save him. It took three days in a fish, 72 hours. I don't know what God is going to put me through to teach me. I don't know what he is putting you through today. I don't know why he sent a fish and not a boat. But what I do know is no matter what I turn to, nothing satisfied like Jesus. And through the cross, we are welcomed into a relationship where we experience fullness of life. If you are searching today, whatever you are looking for is found in Jesus. If you are struggling with life today, your rest is found in Jesus. If you are running away today, your home is found in Jesus. Can we stand and evangelize? And I wonder if you could just take a moment. We don't have 72 hours right now. You've got that this week. But we've got a moment just to reflect on God's goodness. Just as Jonah, in that moment, stopped. He realized how far God had gone for him. He realized what a desperate situation he was in. He realized that this relationship had been messed up. And he realized he was heading for death. And then he realized that because of what God did... Because God broke in, he had intimacy again, he had life again. And I just wonder, can we just spend a moment just reflecting on what God has done for us and then the band are going to lead us in a time of worship and then we'll see what, how God wants to speak to us and what God wants to do. So let's just take a moment to reflect on who he is and what he's done.